To answer is human. To question is divine. Welcome to the world of the Hidden Gateway, an exhilarating podcast exploring the concepts humans have been struggling with since the dawn of existence, such as, who are we? Is there such a thing as good and evil, or are they arbitrary constructs? Does the paranormal exist? How can we evolve to a higher state? Can our mind influence what we term as reality? Providing a transcendental approach combined with hard-nosed humanistic analysis, we invite you on a journey to question your worldview in this theater of life. Join our host, Justin Williams, as he explores the outer realms of faith, the supernatural, human potential, and even our concepts of the universal creator with a fascinating array of guests. This is the unseen world, magical, mysterious, and mystical, where your only limitation is your imagination. This is The Hidden Gateway. Hey everyone, I want to welcome you back to yet another episode of The Hidden Gateway Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Justin Williams, and today we have a very special guest, Mr. C.S. Joseph joins us on the show today. Now, C.S. started his journey of exploring psychology over 16 years ago. He has advanced Jungian analytical psychology to the forefront of the science as four size dynamics. In addition to teaching this content on his YouTube channel, he has helped thousands of individuals and couples improve their relationships, find direction, and overcome trauma in his coaching practice of over seven years. More recently, more intensive learning courses were introduced. Examples include Ego Hacking Your Fear, Ego Hacking by Text, and How to Type Yourself. CS, welcome to the Hidden Gateway Podcast. How you doing, sir? Uh, good. Uh, thank you for having me on the show. I'm very honored. You can just, just call me Chase. I only do the whole CS thing because it's way better uh, than having to deal with people trying to sound out or even spell my surname because it's French and it's just very complicated. So okay. we just go with the pen name and then I'm like, yeah, just call me Chase, even though the pen name's really annoying. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Chase it is. All right, Chase. Thank you for that. All right, man. Yeah. So, hey, tell, tell me a little bit about yourself, man. My first question for you is what made you get into doing what you do, you know, researching personality types, doing that deep dive and learning all that you've learned? What was it? Was it a pivotal moment? Years ago, oh, how, how did that work out, man? Uh, first started in, in a feeble attempt to save my marriage, actually. Uh, oh, okay. That's, okay. that's really when I started. I started uh, studying Jungian analytical psychology when I was 21 years old. I was uh, working in a uh, university library at the time, and there was books, so I just started reading books, whatever I could get my hands on. My marriage at the time was absolutely terrible, and uh, I wanted to figure out how best I can improve it. And I figured psychology, if I could just understand how the human mind works, uh, then I would probably be able to uh, solve problems afterwards. <laughs> Sweet. So so I'm, I'm asking, did it work? Did it save your marriage? Or you, you, you and your wife no. said, okay, okay. Not no, okay. it failed. It failed miserably. It failed miserably. And then it was just been failure after failure after failure after failure after failure. But every failure, uh, failed relationship I've ever had has been entirely necessary, actually. Uh, gaining all that knowledge, gaining all that information, and then to just keep going from there. Uh, and then as a result of that, 
I came to realize basically how wrong society is for people and relationships, how wrong society is for the family, and also how wrong uh, men are for the family and their relationships and how wrong women are for the family and relationships, since most people don't even know that women statistically are the ones that ruin their relationships more so than men. But even though men have a bad rap uh, from everyone else anyway, from a societal perspective, so... Wow, that's very interesting. And I'm glad you said that because I heard something recently. You know, I don't know how true it is. Maybe you do. Well, I think you'll agree with it. I heard that women actually cheat more than men, even though men, like you said, get the bad rap in regards to that. And obviously cheating can open up a whole lot of things, open up a can of worms, as they say, right? You know, obviously trust issues, obviously the lying, obviously someone not putting their best foot forward, et cetera. But um, one thing you did say, you said um, how, you know, it both both genders, both sexes damage the relationship. You know, kind of kind of tell me about that. Tell me, you know, some of your thoughts on that. Well, you, you said something about men, women cheating more than men. I, I'm actually one of the few people out there uh, who claim that there's no such thing as male cheating. Actually, there's no such oh. thing. Really? Yeah, but biologically, there's no such thing. It's because men have the sexual strategy of polygyny, and unmanaged polygyny is pumping and dumping women, basically. That's okay. And then women have the sexual strategy of hypergamy, and then there's unmanaged hypergamy, which is basically what leads to them cock hopping and moving from one man to another and trying to upgrade and using men like uh, rungs on a ladder to try to optimize the best possible man they could get, essentially. So these are different things, but because polygyny is the sexual strategy for men at large, that basically means there's no such thing as male cheating, biologically speaking. And I can even prove that biblically, because I'm <clears> one of the few people in the world that maintain the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not commit adultery, actually applies to women only, and thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, applies to men only, actually. So, and a lot of people don't really understand that, you know, in terms of those uh, cheating dynamics. Because when you're a Jungian analytical psychologist like myself, you have to understand gender dynamics mm-hmm. in order to to be able to get anywhere because sexuality trumps nature, which trumps nurture. And it, and, it, and so like men lead with their sexuality, then they like they see a beautiful woman, they're aroused by her in some capacity, and then they utilize their nature to make decisions about her. And then they act through the nurture and then she received the action through her nurture. And then that adjusts her personality for him, basically, which then opens up her sexuality on the other side. It's like this feedback loop, a robberist, basically, mm. in terms of their relationship. And that's why, you know, it's what takes a lot more for women uh, to to get aroused because they're like receptacles for attention, you know, time, attention, resources for men. And then that builds up inside of their souls, basically, which then opens up their sexuality after the fact. You know, and a lot of people aren't even aware of these these concepts. So. But yeah, like gender dynamics is, is absolutely key in understanding Jungian analytical psychology, much less even putting it into practice. Because if you don't understand, you know, female psychology versus male psychology, you're not really going to get anywhere. I see. Um, you're not really going to get anywhere. Hence the high divorce rate that we see in this country, right? And you mentioned polygamy. Oh, yeah. That I mean, polygamy, man, that's like, uh, I see a lot of that more and more. In fact, I know a guy who I've known him for a very long time, since like middle school, his sister is deep into that man she has uh i think two husbands maybe a third by now and i mean well that's polyamory that's that's not what i'm talking about i i'm actually against polyamory entirely i think polyamory is is wrong i'm talking about polygyny and most people mix it with polygamy and most people mix it with polyamory they're actually three separate terms 
Oh, okay. uh, polyamory basically means many men and many women. Uh, you know, sexual access is unlimited to everybody. I'm actually personally against that. Polygamy is one man being married to multiple women. But okay. polygyny basically is one man, multiple women, and each of those women are only committed to just the one man, basically, uh, from that perspective. Okay. So a one-to-many relationship between men to women is the polygyny, and that's the male sexual strategy as a result. Okay. So for men that, that believe in that and practice that, how challenging is it for them to you know, get into relationships considering the mindset of of women uh in 2024 or is it just not it's actually becoming easier by the day it's actually getting way easier uh especially like since uh church influence uh on western society is basically entirely faded uh you know for those who are like yeah. all about astrology whatnot you know age of pisces is over we're in the age of aquarius now and like age of pisces represented by like church influence upon you know society itself that church influence is rapidly fading away. And because of that, uh, the old ways in terms of how humanity, because there's nothing new under the sun, right? The old right. ways are, are coming back, you know, from that point of view. But it is it is, is far easier because the reality of the situation is based on how women's hypergamy actually works. Uh, women are willing to share a high value man, basically, versus uh, versus not, you know, and it's, um, mm-hmm. I mean, if women are expecting monogamy, they're going to be monogamous with, a low quality man and then eventually cheat on him and divorce him anyway. Because if a woman is college educated, she has a 90% chance of divorcing a man. Uh, if she, and then also 83% of all divorce in the United States is actually initiated by women. Right. Check the census bureau stats on that, you know, and it just, it's just kind of ridiculous. This is why I teach men in my, one of my nonprofits. Uh, we uh, rehabilitate men in their masculinity. We also rehabilitate women into their femininity basically. Okay. And uh, it's basically we teach men, hey, you really shouldn't get legally married. You're not really getting anything out of it. Don't recommend it. You know, here's how, here's the pitfalls and here's what you do. Mm-hmm. But the higher value of man is because they don't exist. High value men really don't exist. There may be like four and a half percent of the male population are what a high value man would constitute. Uh, you know, and this is backed by Tinder stats in terms of only four and a half percent of all the men are actually having sex with all the girls, essentially. Okay. Uh, so based on that stat, you know, you can assume that four and a half percent of men are actually high value men. And then because of that, it's, it's, they're all sharing. They're all, they're already all doing it. And there's tons of like, you go on YouTube and see how women are actually creating a uh, polygynous or polygamous uh, society. And they have no idea that they're doing it just mm-hmm. on their actions alone. They have no clue. Very interesting. Very interesting. You know, I, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with with Kevin Samuel. That's someone that I learned about. I love that guy. Yeah, yeah. Me too, man. He he was a man. God God bless his soul. And uh, I May started less in power, bro. Yes, love right, that man. man. Yes, sir. Yeah. So I, I started listening to him a lot of his videos on YouTube. Maybe two to three years before he he transitioned, before he passed on. And um, you know, when you talk about a high value man, that is something that that is thrown around a lot. But according to you, there are not a lot of high value men. I believe you said was it four percent? Um, technically, man. technically to you, what what is a high value man? So our <clears throat> excuse me, so our audience is is aware. Very okay. So the best, I'll, I'll just keep it simple. Um, the best way that I can describe a high value man is a man who has the power to change his life circumstances on a whim at any moment mm. for any reason okay. for anything right. where he could be like, you know, he'd be like, Oh yeah, I, I'm done. I'm leaving. Uh, walks out, boom, gone, new job, new location, new language, whatever. He's just in it and out done. 
and uh, nothing can hold him down, that kind of a thing. He, um, you know, he's also able to satisfy both sides of a woman's hypergamous uh, sexual strategy where, where um, he's able to do parental investment provisioning protection, which is what 80% of men offer women anyway, which is less attractive to women. And women don't notice men who, who specialize in that, but evolutionarily men had to specialize in that in order to keep the race going because up until 100 years ago, uh, women were dependent on men, basically. Uh, and then now they're not anymore. Uh, so because of that, those traits are not as attractive, but, you know, in order for human evolution to move forward and the propagation of the species, uh, those men were seen as typically more attractive to women as a result. And the other 20% of men, which covers the other side of their hypergamy, which is, uh, fitness, intelligence, uh, selfishness, dark triad traits, those types of things, uh, that, uh, you know, those traits as well mixed together. 80% of men are basically, you know, psychologically, uh, even from a Jungian analytical psychology perspective, uh, they specialize in uh, parental investment, provisioning, and protection. But the problem is the society is here and gives the illusion of protection through police, uh, gives women the opportunity yeah. to have jobs so they have their own provisioning. They don't have to rely on men getting provisioning anymore. And then as a result of that, then, uh, 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 you know, protection doesn't matter. Uh, parental investment doesn't matter either because, like, it's a child support society instead of a child rearing society. Mm, well said. Very well said. And, you know, I see a lot of women, especially in the in, in my community, right, the, the black community, where <laughs> they all want a, want a brother that's six foot, six figures, <laughs> and six inches, right? <laughs> and it's like, well, what do you have? What do you bring to the table? And, yeah, oh, I got, I got yeah. two or three baby daddies. Uh, yeah. I, I don't work or I work part time, but they want to be taken care of. You know, and and it's just ridiculous, man. It's, well, it's I, I, insane. Yeah, I grew up. <laughs> let's be honest. I grew up white trash, like straight up, like 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 uh, like white culture is all about uh, meth or cocaine uh, and incest. Like that's there you go, <laughs> white culture right there, and it's really and you know uh, and that and then they utilize and then they make excuses for themselves with their churchianity bullshit when they go to church on Sunday you know, they're at the club the previous night or whatever. Right, like, right. It, it's just, it's just the same hypocrisy, just in a different way. Like everyone's got problems. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I definitely know what you're saying, man. Now the union, how does that differ from the, um, was it Myers-Briggs? Okay. Yeah. So Myers-Briggs is still based on union analytical psychology. It's all rooted from Carl Jung. The, the chain of custody actually goes all the way back to uh, Pythagoras. Uh, he uh, was famous with his saying, which is, um, uh, you know, above all else, uh, respect thyself. And then his protege is Socrates. And then his protege is Plato. And then his protege is Aristotle. His protege is Hippocrates, and so on and so forth. Going all the way down to um, uh, Isabel Myers, uh, Edward Bernays, uh, as, yeah. and then eventually got down to David Kiersey. And then uh, Linda Behrens, uh, Dr. John Beebe, uh, and uh, Dr. Dario Nardi, which are my contemporaries now. And then, uh, and then also my mentors, uh, Robert D. Bryant and uh, Robert P. Moriel, basically. And then, uh, and then to me, basically, for the entire chain of custody. And uh, it's a long chain of custody all the way gone through. Uh, the MBTI basically popularized Jung's 16 personality theory in one of his books that he wrote. However, Foresight's Dynamics, which is the sub-variant of Jungian analytical psychology that I teach, 
is based on Jung's book, Ion, A-I-O-N, which is also the book that Jordan Peterson claims to be the most terrifying book he's ever read. Oh, uh, that guy. But, well, let, me yeah. let me stop. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the first five chapters of that book is basically where we derive uh, Forsyth's uh, dynamics entirely. And then we mix that with something called uh, the type grid, which is a, an array. It's, a, it's an abacus, basically, of all of the human psyche complained in one place that you could use for classifying people and psychoanalyzing them rapidly uh, mm. based on that. Okay, I see. I see. Now, you talked about kind of you, you touched on your, your background a little bit. And, and obviously, you know, you know, I'm a, I'm a black man. Um, do you find that personality types different or similar amongst people based on class, culture, race or ethnicity? What are some of the. Yes, there is some skew. There's some skewed uh, things. We don't really know for sure. But like in terms of NT types, there's a lot of NT types in Japan, really concentrated NT mm. types. Okay. Uh, amongst uh, black men, uh, there is a lot of SP types. Among white men, there's a lot of SJ types. It's there's there is some skewing happening. It does happen, uh, and culture, even location, seems to have some kind of influence. We don't know why. We don't know how. We just hmm. we just observe that it's happening basically, and we're trying. We're still trying to figure that out. Still trying to get it right now. How does psychological racism play into that in regards to um, the, to the personality types? Because I mean, this world has changed, yeah. man, a lot within the last three years, right? Psychological um, racism is <laughs> one of the worst things that plagues our race. It's it's a serious, serious problem, and because it's it's really just prejudice the reason why it's prejudice it comes from a concept known as cognitive projection okay yeah okay so everybody out there regardless of your ethnicity basically this is this is just purely from your mind and how your individual mind works we have this thing where we project ourselves onto other people it's actually a survival trait an evolutionary survival trait mm. built within the human psyche to try to find people to fit into two groups people that you relate to, which is what men do with men and men do with women, or uh, what people or to identify uh, with. You identify with people. This is what women do for women. So women who have relationships like friendships and whatnot with women, they're trying to identify with women. They don't want to relate to women because relating to women creates competition and female competition is not a thing that I would recommend for them. And uh, with men, however, it's all about relatedness. They want to relate to each other and they can relate to they can relate to women. But uh, women don't and women can only relate with one man. They, psychologically speaking, a woman can only relate with maybe three or four men her whole life. Basically, her father, her husband and her sons, essentially. Mm. She doesn't have any other mental space for it. It's actually pretty stressful for women to actually relate. Uh, to men so oftentimes they would rather just you know do what their brain it's easier for their brain which is to identify with and that's ultimately the difference between what we call compatibility which is relatedness and camaraderie which is you know identification essentially and but here's the problem the problem is is that whichever one of because there's there's 16 personality types right multiplied by two genders because mm -hmm. each your gender actually changes the expression of your personality type and then you multiply that by four different variants per type for a total of 128 total combinations of personality type on the planet. Mm -hmm. And then some of those are very, very common, and some of those are very, very rare. Okay, so 
take for some, um, let's see here, like Kanye West, for example, he's actually an extremely rare psyche. Uh, you know, the MBTI would claim that he's about 3% of the population, but then his octogram variant, which is, you know, one of the four variants of his male version of his psyche makes it even less so that he's actually around uh, just slightly above 1%, you know, in terms of his psyche being very different. You know, yeah. it, it's a, it's a, it's a big deal. Uh, and the problem is, is that because he's a psychological minority, he gets a lot of crap from people because he's a psychological minority. Most people just assume that he's, he's got borderline personality disorder or narcissistic personality disorder or some kind of mental illness or mental disorder. When the reality uh, of the situation is he's just mentally divergent because right. his psyche is rarer. And then the rest of society is just claiming and mislabeling him as this weird person yeah. or there's something wrong with him. Right. And because of that, they take away opportunities from him because of that in, innate psychological prejudice, because the majority of the people out there, like 40% of the population are SJ types, 30% of the population are SP types. But when you combine those together, 70% of the population are, are concrete types. And mm. so because of that, the vast majority of people out there are concrete types. When you have abstract types like Kanye West, for example, abstracting and talking about possibilities and maybes instead of what actually is, that t he tends to end up having a target on his back by the other 70% majority out there. You know, the most common, like in men, like the most common type in men, for example, is the same is uh, Mitt Romney, Barack Obama, Joe Biden. They all have the same psyche. Justin Trudeau, same thing. Uh, uh, as well as um, uh, even uh, uh, John Elway uh, and uh, uh, mm. Tom Brady, even. Mm. It's all the same. You know, they, they all have the same psyche and they make up and most men out there are like this particular type. And uh, and as a result of that, society is skewed to um, basically support those psyches uh, in men over other psyches in men while rejecting the others because they're they're serving the majority, basically. And this leads to psychological prejudice. Wow, man, that's that's something else. You broke you broke that down really good. You know, I'm a huge fan of, of Kanye West, man. Uh, we, we share same. the same birthday, and uh, I, I think I just think he's he's misunderstood, and and it's a prejudice actually. Agreed. You know how you how you broke it down, man. That's that's damn good. Okay, okay. Now I, I know I, I took a personality test right on sixteenpersonalities.com, and it tells me I'm a INFJA. What would be the comparable personality, if there is one, in the Yugian? So 16personalities.com is actually like our main competitor. And uh, they're, they're a bit, uh, their approach is, is incorrect in that the reason mm. why is, is because there is a problem. When you're psychoanalyzing somebody, and I'll just give you access to my course that actually explains all this. I'll just give it to you for free at the end of the show. And, and, uh, it's a, and you can just, you can get it at how to type yourself.com. It's pretty nice, but, uh, I'll just give it to you. But in this course, it talks about a concept where people can't use personality tests to psychoanalyze themselves because nobody actually knows themselves well enough. I, I wasn't even able to, I was not even able to, it really, you really require third party feedback and third party critiquing in order to actually come up with a conclusion because personality is actually judged based on how you come off to others, okay. not how you come off to yourself. To yourself right. Exactly. Right. Okay. And that's, that's one of the biggest problems that people have. I mean, sure. I offer a personality test similar to 16personalities.com 
And most people think it's horrible because it's only four questions long. But, uh, but the point is, it, it, uh, it ends up being this thing where uh, if you want an accurate result, I mean, you're going to get a mostly accurate result, you know, within a Pareto, like a standard deviation. So about 80%, 75 to 80% accuracy with these tests. But if you really want to know for sure, you really take the test with other people who have the most life experience with you. And then especially, especially if you're a woman, because women have this thing where they enable each other. They don't want to criticize each other because they're afraid of receiving criticism themselves. It's because if I identify with another woman and I'm criticizing her, well, that means I'm talking badly about myself and vice versa, et cetera, based on how female psychology works. So women taking these tests it's even much harder for them. And they really, really need to make sure that they're taking these tests with other people who have the most life experience and even take taking these tests with men because male judgment is superior to female judgment. However, female perception is superior to uh, male ju- or to male perception. That's why men have, uh, have um, you know, grime underneath our fingernails, but women don't because they see those things. Men, men we don't see everything. We're just making the decisions. like that right. movie, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. The man is the head, but the women are the neck, you know, and it's because they're turning the head, seeing what the head sees, basically, because women have superior perception to men. They can see things that men can't, but they really suck at decision making. This is why when a woman doesn't have male leadership in her life, like from her father, for example, all the whole whole fatherlessness in our society, uh, she is aimless. She's an aimless woman, but she's great at perceiving. But, you know, and and because she lacks that judgment, we have this concept that the pickup artists call chick crack. Chick crack is like astrology or even 16 personality theory. And any any tool they can use to confirm their female intuition, their female perception Mm. about a man before she feels safe and secure to make a choice that, okay, yeah, he's the man that I want for myself, etc., when the reality of the situation, what they should be doing is talking to their father and relying on his judgment, you know, and, and that's, that's why arranged marriage existed because women typically okay. can't wow. make decisions about their mates. Like, like you have the 16 year old girl who's like, Oh, I love him. We're going to get married. We're going to be in love forever. And whatnot. She gets pumped and dumped. Okay. And it's like, yeah, maybe you should have like, this is why there's traditions like a man asking the father permission uh, to to see his daughter, basically, because that is a nice little check of male judgment. Be like, okay, yeah, you're cool. Oh, you don't have a job? Get the hell out. You right, know what right, I'm saying? Right, right, right. Okay, okay. Yeah, and that's why that's why those things, those traditions, have existed for so long. You even see it in that uh, movie, The Patriot, by Mel Gibson. Yeah, you like actually watch that happen in that film because that's how it was in those days. Well, there's reason for that. And that's why arranged marriage exists. Arranged marriage would exist for two reasons. One, to make sure that uh, a proper dowry was given to the family because women traditionally were actually bought and paid for by men in the past. Mm. And that's just a tradition that came as a result. Tradition is, you know, in my opinion, the, the definition of uh, tradition is that it is the corpse of wisdom. But, um, but the point is, is that at the end of the day, fathers are supposed to be the ones vetting men for their girls. Like I, I have a daughter uh, and when she comes of age, I'm gonna, I, I have two responsibilities. One, I have to make sure that she's reaching the four archetypes in the church feminine, queen, uh, mother, matron, and lover, basically. Uh, and then I'm going to make sure that any men in her life are having the four archetypes in the church masculine, king, warrior, magician, lover, basically from that perspective. 
and which are all Jungian. And uh, you can actually read the book King, Warrior, Magician, Lover by uh, Robert Moore Douglas, another one of uh, my contemporaries. Uh, and I really enjoy their work. And it's all Jungian based. Uh, God bless them. But uh, but the point is, is that I will be vetting men for my daughter. And once I am confident that she has at least queen archetype handled, and that's a woman who keeps her body fat around 20%. That's a woman who understands her hair, her aesthetics, just understands communi- feminine communication, where she doesn't just barge into a room and demand outcomes from men. She, you know, she's a bit more informative. She has this perspective of like, hey, I'm going to express as a woman needs emotions, desires, and problems. And this comes from Zach Rohde, uh, uh, R-O-E-D-D-E, uh, in his books that he, where he teaches these concepts. And so he, she, she has to behave in a feminine manner. And once she has all that, all those checkboxes down in my mind, great, you're allowed to see men now. And what I will do is that I'll be like, okay, well, let's, let's see what your choices are, which men that you have a crush on right now. Uh, okay, cool. Uh, of course, I tell my sons that they're not allowed to have crushes on women because actually only women get crushes on men. And for a man to get a crush on a woman, <laughs> that is not, that is not masculine. That is feminine. Uh-huh, but, uh-huh. <laughs> but, uh, but the point is though, I, I tell my little girls like, Hey, yeah. Okay. So let's go check out some men. She's like, dad, this is so weird. No one does this. Yeah, I know, but it has to happen, you know, but like, but the reality is, is that also, I will know men in my life, you know, men that work for me, because I employ a lot of people, uh, men that I, that I know within the community based on fathers that I know. And then I would know from a Jungian perspective, who's compatible with her, who isn't. And I would introduce her to those men, basically. And then I would hold those men accountable. You know, yeah, she's a virgin. It's going to stay that way. And uh, you could take her virginity as long as she's got a ring on her finger. You see what I'm saying? And I'm ensuring the entire process is being followed from start to finish as a man who's leading my daughter, right? But most men don't even take on that responsibility because nowadays marriage, for example, is just based on, oh, let's just, we're just proving or making a public statement that we're sexually compatible. That's really all marriage is nowadays. Right, right. When people don't even realize that that's not necessary. It's entirely unnecessary. People who would have arranged marriages for like eons would come to, and I'm not saying I support arranged marriage. I'm just stating the facts. Uh, for eons, they, they, they would meet each other for the very first day on their wedding day, and then they would get married. And it was actually through sexuality that they would actually develop love after the fact. Love came after marriage. Love did not come before marriage traditionally. Interesting. It's Interesting. only within the last hundred years that that actually became a thing for humanity. Mm. essentially so for the most part man that's powerful man i i, I love how you said you're gonna you raise your daughter when it comes to to being a, a lady and and you know picking her husband i've never heard that before and i absolutely love it and i too have a daughter i have a 12 year old daughter in fact i want to ask you what was the name of that book that you said uh, a few minutes ago king warrior magician lover that's the one yeah the, the problem with the female side is that queen, mother, matron, lover, there is no book on that yet. And all of the content related to that is currently within my lectures. Okay. And that's been that's been something that I've had to develop on my own over time. It originally came from an article that I read online where it was first suggested that those are the archetypes. And then I took those descriptions and ran with it. And I have okay. it somewhere in my bibliography somewhere. Uh, I have a bibli- I think it's like C.S. Joseph Valley Force slash bibliography where those resources are posted or they're in my companion guide that you can get when you take the, the 
my version of the 16 personalities test at ucha.app, udja.app. And then while you're taking the four question test, you can actually download the companion guide and read the bibliography there. Uh, but when it comes to those specific resources, queen, mother, matron, lover, it's just entirely misunderstood. But I'll just, I'll just give you the quick primer of what they mean. Queen is basically making sure that a woman understands feminine communication. So she'll have to be taught according to Zach Rohde's books, which are uh, uh, Irresistibly Feminine, Worthy Woman, uh, uh, Show Him Your Heart, and Inspire His Devotion. Basically, those four books explain what she is supposed to uh, you know, be expressing to men. And instead of trying to get outcomes from men, because that's actually emasculating, most women out there don't even know that they're being emasculating, but they are. And, that, and they don't even know why men are not committing to them. They're getting pumped and dumped. That's man, one thing. man. Wow. <laughs> Truth. And, and queen, so queen is basically feminine communication, also their beauty, basically, uh, you know, uh, their body fat percentage matters, uh, whether or not they're actually going to the gym properly. You know, most women don't even realize that upper body exercises through with weightlifting actually helps prevent sagging breasts. For some reason, they don't know. And it's just so weird. And they're like, oh, I don't want to do it because I'm too afraid of having really big arms. And it's like, <laughs> you're a woman. You biologically can't do that. <laughs> you know, right. like like there's, there's there's very few exceptions, but it's because those those women have really bad genes, and that's 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 different circumstances entirely. But we're talking like ninety nine percent of women out there are not going to have that problem. So yeah, ensuring weightlifting, understanding that they understand, uh, or teaching them how to you know measure their food with a food scale, yeah. learning my fitness pal for their macronutrients and their calories, keeping track of all of that. Uh, understanding, you know, proper eating, organic, non-GMO foods, you know, all, basically queen archetype is how a woman should take care of herself. Because if a man looks at a woman, male perception is so bad. We judge the book by its cover all the time. And this yeah. is why there's bigger male rejection than there is female rejection. Except male rejection is internal. We look at a woman. Okay. And then within three seconds, oh, she's too ugly to talk to. Next, you know, and this happens, what? If you're out in a big city, it'll happen hundreds of times a day, yeah. basically. Uh, so male rejection is a lot higher than female rejection, really. You yeah. know, And that's why women have no patience for men getting mad at being rejected. Because right. it's like, are you kidding me? I rejected maybe a thousand times a day. Shut up. Like, it's not a big deal. <laughs> Come on. You know, so Queen Archetype teaches them how to take care of themselves so that they they have that beauty out there along with their feminine behavior. And then mother is basically, do you know how to run a household? Do you know how to change a diaper? And I teach I teach the girls like, hey, no man, your man should never teach you should be able to uh, actually um, change a diaper. If, if your man is changing a diaper at home, you're, you're a bad woman. You're a bad mother. You're a bad wife. Like, absolutely not. Like, that's that's ridiculous. However, we teach the men that it is their responsibility to make sure that their woman is not raising that child by herself because mm -hmm. no woman should be raising a child by herself. Right. And they're like, well, how do I do that? How do I do that? And I'm like, well, uh, get her sister wives or uh, hire a nanny or mm -hmm. leverage extended family for babysitting on a regular basis and have there selected days where the grandchildren are visiting grandparents or right, something. Right. You know, like take responsibility, use your masculine leadership and make sure that there actually is other people to assist her. Obviously, you should have nothing to do with changing a diaper or putting them in their clothes or doing bath time, unless it's just something you are choosing to do because you want to spend time with your child that night. But there mm -hmm. should be no expectation 
for you as a man to do that. But conversely, there should be no expectation that a mother should have to take care of her child first or on her own, you know? So it's like, or that that ends up becoming a problem. We teach the men this, et cetera. And it's really frustrating that a lot of people don't even know these concepts, but it is what it is. We're trying to rehab masculinity and femininity at our nonprofit. And then like, then there is matron. And matron is where it gets really complicated. Matron. Because here's the thing. We call the mature feminine at our nonprofit the cartel. Why? <laughs> the cartel of the mature feminine. We call the mature masculine the cult of the mature masculine. <laughs> The reason why is because men are, uh, they are, uh, what do you call it, uh, motivated by carrots, right? Whereas it's not the same way for women. Women are motivated by, thanks, women women are motivated by the stick, basically. Mm. The reason why is a lot of decisions that women make with female judgment is that it is all, it's all around fear. Women are, make decisions based on fear and yeah, anxiety so all true. the time, so true. whereas men do not. Wow. And because of that, that's why women are motivated by the stick, but men are motivated by the carrot. And you can actually look at it from a sexual perspective. Is a woman sexually attracted to a slave? No. A woman is sexually attracted to the man who's the most free. And like I said, the high value man is the one who could change his life circumstances on a whim, which means he's the one who's exhibiting the most freedom you know, from that perspective, right? He's exhibiting the most freedom, right? And that concept actually comes from Rolo Tomasi's book, So The Rational Male. I got to give credit where it's due. Even though, while I do agree with uh, red pill praxeology, I do not agree with uh, a certain recommendation that he makes with the chapter titled Plate Theory. The reason why is, is because I find uh, pumping and dumping of women morally wrong. And I, I believe he actually sees it as morally wrong, but he's just, basically just stating, hey, this is just how bad things are in the world. And this is what has led to because when men read the rational male volumes one through five, they use that as their excuse as their justification to pump and dump women, which is unmanaged polygyny when they really actually shouldn't be doing that at all. Okay. Uh, it, because like, here's the thing, if a man's going to go and get into a relationship with a woman, okay, it, it, commitment should be on the table, you know, but women, you know, I teach the women to realize like, hey, just let you know, like, you may control access to sexuality, but men control access to commitment. That's why it'll always be a man's world. That's why men will always be in power. That's why men will always have power over you. So get over it. Men don't care how much money you make. We don't. You know, yeah. Like we don't care how much money you make, how many degrees you have. None of that matters. Yeah. Care yeah. Like, like, yeah. Like, uh, so, so, so my wife, for example, um, she was somebody who was homeless. Okay. And on the missing persons list. <laughs> and, and like just and uh, it's funny because like her mom like came to me like a couple weeks prior and asked me to find her mm. you find my daughter she showed me photos of her daughter i'm like oh my god that's a really beautiful woman and like her mom was like pissed that i said that to her she's like what are you doing man <laughs> but i did find her uh, i really did find her i did re reunite her with her family but then i'm sweet. like yeah, but I'll, I'll keep you too. You know, there you go. <laughs> that's, that's 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 the story. It, it's so funny. But the cartel of the of the mature feminine. Why is it a cartel? A cartel is basically an economic concept where business owners get together who all sell the same thing, and they agree to not compete with each other, and they agree to raise prices or keep the prices of their goods at the same level. So they're not competing with each other on price anymore. So what we do is we teach the girls to look at each other and notice each other's flaws, point out those flaws to each other. And then if you point out a flaw to a woman, it's your responsibility to help her not have that flaw anymore. It's your responsibility to raise her up to your level. Mm -hmm. and, and let's say 
this girl is really bad at makeup and, and this one girl perceives with her female perception, she's bad at makeup. I'm going to go help her get her makeup. But then that other girl who's receiving the makeup help looks at the other girl who's helping her makeup be like, yeah, well, you suck at cooking. So then she helps her get her cooking uh, figured out. And so they're just raising each other up at the same level. It's having the same price. It's why it's a cartel. Here's a, another example. You have a cul-de-sac neighborhood, right? A bunch of houses. And uh, each house has a certain value on that neighborhood. They typically have the same value. They have that one house with a junky car in the yard and it's overgrown and there's also a, a trailer in front of it. It looks like total crap and a little <laughs> dilapidated. Well, guess what? That one house will reduce the value of all of the other houses in the cul-de-sac neighborhood. Right. This is how women work. If one wow. woman is acting like a hoe, wow. that devalues all of the women. Damn. Yes. Basically. Yes. Oof, so, solid, brother. You're bringing fire here today, man. Love it. <laughs> man. Yeah, like that's, that's the cartel, man. And so matron energy is to make sure that there's no such thing as female competition. Okay. We look at each other's flaws and we fill in those holes and we all raise everyone's value up together. Why? Because women care about equality. Men don't care about equality. Men are all about inequality. Inequality is everything to a man. Why? Because men look at other men, they're trying to make other men better. Yeah. They're trying to make their children better. They're always trying to improve their women. They're man. trying to make people better constantly. That's inequality, <laughs> okay, versus women. Women want equality because that way they don't have to compete because they don't like competing. And then they project their sense of equality onto men. And then that's why we live in a society that believes in this myth that men and women are equal when reality is they're not. Wow. Biologically or otherwise. You know, wow. and that's why. And that's because there's a lack of matron energy. If matron energy was actually present in society where women were actually working to help raise each other up and raise each other's values simultaneously, then they wouldn't be projecting equality onto one uh, onto men, basically. Right. As much as they project their own sexual strategy of hypergamy onto men. Hmm. They all assume that men are trying to upgrade to a better woman because they're trying to upgrade to a better man. Right. But that's not how men are. Men are like, no. I got this girl, she does this for me. I got this other girl, she does this for me. Like all my girls are a bunch of paintings in my gallery and I love each individual painting and each each individual painting speaks to me, you know, because I see a woman like a nice fine cigar or their favorite cocktail or, you know, this individual thing. Like they, they, each of these girls do like this one awesome thing for the man that he loves because men are varietalists, whereas women like to focus everything all on the one, basically, because they're trying to optimize the best that they can get with their sexual strategy. Mm -hmm. That's the difference between polygyny and uh, and hypergamy from that perspective, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's what matron energy is, and that's something that would need to be taught to our daughters. And then also, um, there's the lover archetype, basically, and that is uh, enjoying life and uh, making sure that you're utilizing the lover archetype properly. And this is where we teach the four reciprocations. This is something that I wish Zach Rohde would actually talk about, but he doesn't. So here's the thing. Here's the scenario. Very important scenario. Girl goes to a bar. Man buys her a drink. What does she do? Now, today, most women will take that drink. Okay, ha, thank you, ha, ha, and then uh, dump him on his head mm -hmm. and just use him, basically. And this is why we have black pill out there. This is why even red pill is even out there. It's all that because women are just so entitled that they'll just take time, attention, resources from it. When traditionally, that's not how it used to be. Because women traditionally, if a man makes an offer of time, attention, and resources, because men are always about giving, right? When a man makes a lot of money, what is his first thought? Oh, I could take on a wife. I can have children. He's thinking about who he can give his money to. That's, that's that's what happens when women get money. They're thinking about, ooh, I could be independent of men now. Right. You see what I'm saying? It's yeah. different. So, so from that, so from that perspective, 
if a man traditionally what would used to happen like 100 years ago like if a man would offer to buy a woman a drink she would have to think to herself okay am i going to reciprocate to this man or not why because there's a social expectation that the woman would have to prove her femininity to the man and to other women around her okay. she'd have to prove it right. because the man is proving his masculinity by giving time attention and resources even buying her a drink that's a gift giving a gift to a woman basically and uh, she would have to think, oh, well, if I take that gift, I have to prove my femininity to this man. Well, if I don't want to reciprocate to him, I should reject him on the spot, right? Mm. So if now she chooses to reciprocate, when a woman takes time, attention, and resources from a man, she is expected to do the four reciprocations, which the first one is gratitude slash appreciation. Gratitude for introverted feelers and appreciation for extroverted feelers and women because in Half of women fall in one category, the other half falls in the other. So gratitude or appreciation, that's the first reciprocation. The second one is obedience, being obedient to the man to the point where she will follow his lead, even if she disagrees and doesn't like what it is, but will do it anyway. Uh, and um, and then uh, the third reciprocation is peace. It's coming home to a peaceful home. Man. Peace, right. big deal. Yes, and, sir. The fifth, and the fourth reciprocation <clears throat> is representation. To represent your man in the home and out of the home, where she's not letting her body go, looking like a fat bitch or whatever, where she's not constantly dressed like a slob, even in public, you know, and is even actually pretty dressed well, even in attractive, comfy clothes at home as she's child-rearing the children, et cetera, and taking care of the home, you know, that kind of a thing. That's what lover archetype is for women, the four reciprocations. They have to learn how to reciprocate. Uh, the time, attention, and resources that men give to them in the form of taking care of a woman's needs, emotions, desires, and problems, solving her problems, you know, doing all these things. And if a woman is feminine, she'll express those needs, emotions, desires, and problems so that the man will meet her needs. The man will take care of her heart and protect her heart and her emotions, right? Uh, and uh, also uh, give her her desires of her heart and then also solve her problems for her because women oftentimes really suck at solving their own problems. Most women would claim that they're actually really good at solving their problems, but it's false. And here's an example. Here's an example as to why. So you take your little girl, right? And you, you're like, you know what? She did really good in school. I'm, I'm going to take her and we're going to go let her buy something at the toy store. So you take her to the store. So let's say, let's say you take her to Walmart or something. And you're going like, to get you a doll today. And she's all excited. She's all super excited. Daddy's taking her to get a doll today. Yeah. So you, know, you take your little girl to the store. And then she points and she's like, hey. I want this one. And daddy's like, you're like, no. But she starts crying. She's all sad about it. And she puts it back. But then what you do is you grab something from the top shelf and it's a two pack that includes the same doll that she wanted plus another one. Mm. And you get that for her. Mm -hmm. The man chooses the outcome and the outcome's almost always better. Here's another example given by Zach Rohde. You know, woman at home, mother, three kids. She had a really tough day. Man's at work. Man comes home and she knows she's coming home. Dinner's not done. She's upset and she's thinking to herself, I want him to cook dinner. There's two ways she'd go about this. First way is man comes home, tells him, I had a really bad day, so I I need you to cook dinner. That's emasculating. That's disrespectful. First right, thing he right. hears through the door, oh my God, no. Or the proper way, she'd come up to him and be like, I feel really bad. And then he'd be like, what, why? Why do you feel bad? Well, because I had a really hard day and I wasn't able to get dinner done on time. And it's just been this and this and this and this. And then he's like, okay, cool. Put on something nice. We'll all go out to dinner. Notice that he chose a better outcome than the one that she had in mind. An example of female judgment not being as great as male judgment. 
yeah. from that point of view. Wow. Yeah, but the thing is, is that how many opportunities do women miss out on in trying to get specific outcomes out of men? But like, it's it ends up like they don't even re- women don't even know how to be feminine anymore. In as much as men don't really know how to be masculine anymore, and that's that's the problem. Like, right, the mature that is feminine, the problem. Yes, yeah, mature the mature masculine or the mature feminine can't exist unless the mature masculine is there to facilitate it, because mm-hmm. the feminine exists within the masculine. That's mm-hmm. that's the thing. They're not separate. They're not equal. They're not separate, but equal. Ugh, gross. But the reality of the situation is, is that the feminine is contained within the masculine, right? So uh, there, there's no segregation there, you know, because think about it. The man, he's the, he's the masculine. He's the source. Okay, I have a house now, but he invites a woman inside. And the woman turns it into a home. You see what I'm saying? Right, like that's, right, right. That's the entire point. That's the dance between the masculine and the feminine. And a lot of people just don't understand that equilibrium and teaching queen mother uh, matron lover to girls and how to be feminine women is absolutely critical you know from a gender dy- dynamics perspective and then we teach them Jungian analytical psychology with four sides dynamics identify the personality type identify their specific nurtural octogram and then they can figure out exactly which man they're compatible with the most and how to identify with them and then how to interface with them how to act around them that kind of a thing which is actually pretty natural. And then as a result, they can have for themselves a really great relationship because they've been vetted, not just by, you know, their own femininity, but their, or, and hopefully their fathers, my God, but yeah, also being yeah. vetted by, by psychology itself, where they know, hey, this is a great relationship to begin a foundation on. That way they can walk in confidence without any anxiety and feeling entirely safe and relaxed when they get in their relationship, which is important. Why? Because here's the thing. You know, like, look at, look at orgasm, right? Like women orgasm, the female orgasm. Now, most people don't even know how or why women orgasm. And it's so lame. You go on like the forums or Reddit or uh, Discord and, and men are talking about how to get a woman to orgasm. And, it, and it's really, really easy. Female orgasm, like it doesn't matter how you aim it or how you use it. Like that, that doesn't, that doesn't work. That's just bullshit. I'll tell you the secret right now. And it really is psychological. All you have to do is have your woman in a mental state of non-anxiety mm-hmm. so that she is feeling safe and relaxed in her life mm-hmm. in general, especially around you, her man, because she always knows that she has your devotion and you are taking care of, you are leading her, you are taking care of her needs, emotions, desires, and problems. Everything is handled. She doesn't have to worry about anything and you handle all decision-making and she has outsourced all decision-making to you and she is very confident in following your leadership. And is at that moment, because she's in that relaxed state, then she's able to orgasm and she will orgasm in the bedroom, regardless of what you do as a man, actually, regardless of what you do. Mm. And then as a result of that, if your woman is orgasming in the bedroom, that proves to you, and she ain't faking it, and, and she really is, that proves to you as a man that your masculinity is where it should be with her, Damn. basically. That's, that's the litmus test, you know? Right, like, right, right. But there's other litmus tests, like a woman, you know, like when, you know, we're talking about teaching our daughters, right? Mm-hmm. So it, like women come to me, how do I tell if a man is masculine? Very simple. Express your needs, emotions, desires, and problems to him and see what he does. If he does nothing, he is a man child, stay away from him, or he's mm-hmm. not devoted to you, get away from him. But if a man does something about your needs, emotions, desires, and problems, he, you have his devotion in some capacity. And then you receive that from him. You prove receiving that gift of him handling your needs, emotions, desires, problems with the four reciprocations, right? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then, and then he'll just give you more. And then you reciprocate more. And then he'll give you more. 
and then he'll just keep giving and he'll keep reciprocating to the point where he's inside of you. That's how it works. That's how relationships work. But so many people have no clue. They have no clue about any of this. Yeah. It's so frustrating. And then the psychological minorities and the prejudice gets even worse because then, you know, women are misjudging men consistently and because they're not even aware of how incompatible they are or how rare certain types are, et cetera. You know, the, uh, the 30% abstract, uh, 30% of the population abstract types, like they have it the hardest finding their highest compatible types with them <laughs> because they're so rare. I mean, like, for example, INTJ women are half a percent of the population, half a percent. And then, and then trying to find a, their golden pair, which is an ENTP man who also has a, a, a matching octogram, it's like one in 4,000 chance. It's hard. It's really hard. So yeah, I wanted know. to ask you about that, Chase. I want to ask you sure. in regards to INTJ individuals, how can they ensure that their natural confidence and self-reliance are perceived positively rather than being mistaken for narcissism? Well, the thing, okay, yeah, so <laughs> narcissism. Uh, it's funny because a lot of people don't really understand what narcissism is because you have this concept known as solipsism. Humanity is a solipsistic race, right? And, uh, you know, men are one part solipsism, one part idealism, right? Whereas women are two parts solipsism, no parts idealism. This is why, you know, people like Rolo Tomasi make the argument that women are innately entitled by birth when compared to men. But the reason why we as a race are a feminine race and we are solipsistic as a race is because humanity thinks of ourselves before we think of others. Whereas you can make the argument like an angelic race, for example, is entirely idealistic. They have two helpings of idealism and they think about everybody else before they think of themselves. But yeah, it's pretty easy for them to do that because they have basically unlimited resources and an infinite lifespan compared to us where we expire. So we're very invested in our own survival. So of course, when we solve this, right, we can right. save survival. Mm -hmm. That is what hypergamy as a sexual strategy for women is all about anyway, personal survival, you know, uh, uh, provisioning, protection and parental investment. Oh, wait, that's. So those are survival traits. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, and uh, and then the survival of the children based on a man being physically and mentally fit, which are the alpha traits side. So you have the beta traits, alpha traits of, of uh, hypergamy going from there. But when it comes to INTJs, they are often seen as narcissistic, mostly because they're an introverted feeling child and they're always leading with their accomplishments all the time. And the problem is, though, is that it's not that they're necessarily narcissistic. It's that they are socially inept. Because of extroverted feeling trickster, they have no concept of social rules and social norms. So they look narcissistic. They come off wow. narcissistic. Okay. They are just not actually narcissistic. They're just violating the first law of power, according to Robert Greene, which is never outshine the master everywhere they go. And then as a result of that, everyone just crushes them because they're outshining the master. They're outshining everyone and no one wants to support them. And they have no idea that they're socially self-sabotaging themselves over and over and over again due to their extroverted feeling trickster. It, it's, wow. it's ridiculous. Wow. Yeah. So what does yeah. one do to like reprogram their mind, right? Um, in, they to, have to, to, to literally study social norms. This is okay. where I throw them books like Dale Carnegie, like How to Win Friends and Influence People, or the 99, the 99, I forgot her book, but she's an INTJ. She wrote that. Uh, there, there's a lot of, uh, even, even Rolo Tomasi, he himself is an INTJ. He wrote the Rational Mail books, but but the point is, is that you want to choose authors that share the same type as you and you basically read their books because they've already gone through their life and had those struggles already and will have those techniques that they could just give to you and you upgrade yourself super quick just based on their influence and their learning. You know, like it's 
That way you have the opportunity to learn from other mistakes. Because let me tell you something about INTJs. They don't learn from their own mistakes. They have to learn from other people's mistakes. The problem is they don't even allow themselves to leave their homes most times because they have like this naturally built-in agoraphobia. And (laughs) because it's like, oh, I'm out in public and I'm getting so drained. It's because I have to perform in front of others all the time because I'm so afraid of being abandoned. And I'm so afraid of people not sticking around for me. I'm so afraid of people thinking less of me because I look like I'm a bad performer and they have all that insane pressure on themselves while simultaneously being entirely unaware of the social norms that they're trying to navigate at the same time. So it takes their whole lives to actually build social skills so that they avoid not looking like a narcissist, essentially. I see. I see. Okay. Now tell me about Ego Hackers, man. I was checking out your YouTube channel. There's some interesting stuff on there, man, that I really gravitated to. Let's tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. So Ego Hackers, um, it's basically the name of our online community. We, mm-hmm. we call everyone who follows this form of psychology an ego hacker. And it basically comes from the season 21 playlist on the main YouTube channel, which is titled CS Joseph. And it's the social engineering playlist where basically I'm teaching people how to utilize personality type uh, in as a tool to manipulate other people mm. for their own benefit or for the benefit of others. It's neutral because manipulation has a negative connotation to it, right. essentially. But uh, regardless of that negative connotation, it's actually a neutral term because all social interaction is technically manipulation. 100% of all social interaction is manipulation. Mm. So teaching people to realize like, hey, you know, when you're interacting with other people, your cognitive functions are going to be soft blocking other people's cognitive functions and causing them the cognitive transition into their ego, subconscious, unconscious, or superego based on the situation, mm-hmm. which can cause them stress or can make them actually very happy or can give right. them mental relief. Right, right. You know, they have all those things. So the ego hackers ultimately are people who study four size dynamics. They study the type grid. They study the quadras. They study the four temples. Uh, they study the God functions. They study the, the the eight cognitive functions and the eight cognitive origins, as well as studying the octogram. That That is what ego hackers is. And the ego hackers YouTube channel is basically an education-based uh, YouTube channel where we take all of my work and my podcast, which is represented on the C.S. Joseph uh, uh, YouTube channel, but also the C.S. Joseph podcast on Spotify, et cetera, wherever else we're found. It's taking all of those psychological concepts that I'm teaching in my lectures and then just breaking it down in small shareable videos to make it available in 10-minute videos instead of listening to one to two hour dissertations from me on YouTube <laughs> to get all the info or on the podcast to get that information, you know, but of course I'm a guy, when I listen to podcasts, I want it to be as long as hell because sometimes my commute is hell long. Like it used to be when I used to work in the Bay area of California as an engineer, you know, when I listen to podcasts, it has to be at least an hour long, but yeah. an hour and a half long, you know what I'm saying? Right, so, right. but having the, those bite-sized chunks on the ego hackers channel is, um, it's really helpful. It helps people learn the science rapidly because it's just the technical information. Mm-hmm. You know, mix in with a couple of jokes or funnyisms, basically. But it's just technical information instead of like me saying my life story and giving huge anecdotes that define actual examples of what's actually happening. You know, it's 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 just the technical information without the anecdotes. But if you want the anecdotes that give real life experience that prove the concepts that I'm talking about, then you watch the other channel essentially. I see. I see. I wanted to ask you about AI, man. Um, obviously, it's huge. I, I don't think it's even close to reaching its peak. Like, what advancements in AI are? No, let me rephrase that. How will AI affect some of the relationships and personalities that we are, that we've been talking about tonight, right? I mean, you know, 
um, I'm hearing all types of things, right? AI. Um, I, I don't watch. I don't do the OnlyFans thing. I'm not about that. But I'm, I'm yeah. hearing it's going to be that, and you know, just all types of stuff. Like, what do you see when you think about AI and, and personalities and, and relationships? Just that human interaction in, in the future. Well, the, the thing is, is that like right now, my work, my work is already out there. My my work is like so deep, where like within seconds, I can psychoanalyze somebody. I know how they think, how they feel, how they make decisions, what they're afraid of, what makes them happiest, what they're worried about, what they're critical of, what they're entirely unaware of, and the thing that pisses them off the most. All that information is available to me in an instant, and then I can just push certain buttons to gain certain outcomes out of them, basically. Mm-hmm. So take so so take a look at this. You know, I, I have a technology. It's coming out this year basically where I'll be able to psychoanalyze an entire uh, business's email list of every single one of their contacts that they have their, for their email marketing or even their text-based marketing and accurately psychoanalyze all those people. And then the AI will write specific messaging that is tailored specific to each psyche of each of those contacts in rapid fire real time. And you can create email campaigns, communicate specifically with those individual con- contacts to have the absolute best outcome to increase their conversion rate, right? That's a more benign use of AI and uh, Jungian analytical psychology with four sides dynamics, okay? Or there's the more dangerous form. Imagine that uh, you are a, a person in power, like imagine you're a dictator, you know, and uh, you realize that uh, the ENTP archetype, well, 3% of the population is the most likely to cause a uh, revolution. Mm. So uh, you make sure that ENTP uh, children are never born or that you find them and then you disappear them slowly over time. And it creates, a, it takes psychological prejudice to a whole new level and it creates mental eugenics, basically. Wow. Mental eugenics programs can come as a result of combining union analytical psychology and AI. That's wow. really crazy. Yeah. Well, what about the aspect of, say, you get like a man, maybe a beta man, who is maybe in love with his wife, right? And yeah. there's an AI technology out there where he's able to interact and he finds himself falling in love with this AI, this robot. Now, this may be like a little far gone sci fi over the edge, but hey, man, anything's possible, right? And you have this guy where this AI influences him to do exactly that, leave his wife, his kids, and he's in love with the damn robot because I've it, seen it these robots. It is very possible. Right? Yeah. It is very yeah. possible. My work, my work will be utilized to create, you know, like, uh, you know, like how Blade Runner has replicants or whatever, but like, like, like basically artificial, artificial beings that people fall in love with because they're able to sound like, act like mm-hmm. basically, be as as human as possible absolutely you know that is a risk and absolutely that that could be a thing and uh, the types that would be most prone to that would actually be intp men actually be the most prone to that or even infp men to a point like it's just it's still fake relationships and it's not it's not really going to work but you know the world's changing i mean fertility like you know last year there's a study that said that humanity is finally an endangered species because you know our population is actually going down across the planet etc it's going to level out at 11, at 11 billion or less, basically, and, and then it's just not going to go up from there. Fertility is at, is dropping and, and at an all-time low and will continue to be at an all-time low every single passing day. I mean, I, I keep hearing rumors about women willing to spend uh, $5,000 a shot for unvaccinated, uh, COVID-vaccinated yeah, sperm, basically, yeah, right. I've heard that too. on the black market. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's crazy, these things that, that, they're, that they're talking about out there. But because of that, you know, you, you, 
knowing the personality of like, you know, it, it really matters, you know, like some of the most controversial claims that I've made is that personality or the soul actually comes from the men. It does not come from a woman whatsoever. Mm. The sperm itself is what contains the mind, mm. you know, whereas, whereas the egg actually contains the body, you know, the, the heart and the body is what women provide to humanity, you know, physically, like our physical bodies, our heart actually is what comes from our mothers. But in terms of our, our mind and our, our mentality, our intellect, uh, you know, everything that we are as a person inside of this body shell is actually only comes from our fathers. Right. So the man, we are the creators. Exactly. Right. Basically. Yes. Yes. Basically. And whereas, you know, the, the women's uh, contribution is the host basically. And a lot of people have a hard time with me even saying that, but it, 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 when you actually, you know, because I'm I'm a Taoist, uh, and as much as I also believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, and have my own, you know, spiritual belief system that I've developed over time, the the reality of the situation is is that when you actually look at the structure of the universe from a Taoistic perspective, you start to realize that these things have to be true. Uh, when you actually just see how nature operates in balance, you know, the universe is technically a base four system, you know, and you can reduce it down to binary. You know, everyone thinks that, you know, binary is actually a base, um, a base two system with zero and one, but really it's a base four system when you have zero, zero, one, one, zero, one, one, zero, and those four characters, basically. And uh, everything is all in fours. You know, people talk about, you know, the Trinity, you know, oh, there's three, you know, like, eh, no, there's technically a fourth in there, it, 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 you know, because that's how the universe works, bro. That's the you know, trick. like, that's the trick. The, the Trinity yeah, there's four, yeah. When you when you look at it, you know, things are, you know, in multiples of four all the way around. You know, if you look at electricity, basically, you know, Tesla would always say, if you understand, you know, the pattern of three, six, nine and utilizing threes, you can have mastery over electricity and this aspect of nature. The thing is, is that what's the fourth component? It's the ground. The ground. The ground is the fourth component. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. So, and it's the three and the six and the nine that's able to actually take place within the confines of the ground, just as much as the feminine is able to exist within the confines of the masculine. Every aspect of the universe, as well as life as we know it, and everything that we can see, perceive, uh, you know, with all of our five senses or what we can intuit with our minds, basically still follows this base four system. We can't get away from it. Hence why we have four sides of our mind the ego, the subconscious, the unconscious, and the superego. We can't get away from it. Wow. It's there. Wow, my good. We're we're imprisoned by the space force system. <laughs> so good, Chase. So good. Hey, man, thank you so much for for coming on the show. This has been a phenomenal conversation, man. You're so intelligent, and I love the way you delivered the knowledge, information to the good people, man. Now, I do have one final question for you. This is something I ask sure. each and every guest that comes on the show. I would love for you to leave our audience with what I like to call the token of love. I mean, you dropped so many gems this evening, but what is one thing? that you think people need to hear in this very moment as they continue their personal journeys? So basically, uh, it basically, it comes from my life purpose, essentially, uh, which is every, which is the entire mission behind our nonprofit. But basically it's the following. It comes from Malachi chapter four, verses five and six, which is in the last days, I'll send my prophet Elijah to you before the great day of the Lord, which is the end of the world. Uh, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their sons, and the hearts of sons to their fathers, or else I will strike the earth with a degree of utter destruction. What does this mean? I may not be the prophet Elijah, but his mission is mine. What is the mission? The mission is, is to bring back masculinity. Fatherlessness is the number one result of a lack of masculinity on this planet. And because of that, fatherlessness has absolutely fundamentally destroyed uh, the world. And we will be losing the society very soon. And the next war is going to be absolutely brutal uh, in some of the biggest ways. All that 
pent up masculinity where 80% of the male population is entirely ignored by women, for example, all that pent up masculinity, it's going to be a very violent and bloody war as mm. that pent up masculinity just gets explodes everywhere. Mm. It's going to be absolutely terrifying what's coming. Unless we bring back masculinity, unless we actually show respect for that masculinity and we actually maintain that masculinity, uh, you know, and turn the hearts of fathers to sons and hearts of sons to their fathers, because if fatherlessness is not prevented, we will literally lose the earth entirely because fatherlessness, uh, I mean, fathers is where we get discipline from. Fathers is where we get vision from, because if people lack a vision, they will perish much like women running aimless lives when they don't have male leadership, mm -hmm. you know, and because of that, they, they perish essentially their body count goes up. They, uh, their bank account goes down. They have an insane amount of debt and they end up uh, 40 years old and alone. Just like there's a study saying that by the vast majority of working age women, like up to like what 70% of working age women will be alone by 2030. That's insane. Like that, that crazy study. I'm, I might be misquoting the number there, but that study is still very terrifying and staggering because of that. And the reason why is, is because most women don't even realize the decisions that they're making. They are spending their time going to school, go to college, get a job. And they're using all their fertile years on their career. And then they hit 26 years old and they realize that their looks can't compete with younger girls anymore. And the highest value <laughs> men only want the 18 to 25 year olds anyway. So what's the point? They have no shot. They have no chance. And then they end up divorcing lower quality men because they can't change those lower quality men because the only thing that can change men is men. Women can't change men. Only men can change men. That's right. And you know, but men can change women. And that's 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 the difference. It's another example of how we're not actually equal. There's no such thing as equality between the genders. But but the bottom line is is that what I would tell the audience is like, listen, masculinity matters. Femininity can't happen without masculinity. And really, you know, women learn feminine communication. You know, read Zach Brody's books. Uh, understand Queen Mother, uh, Matron Lover. Men, understand king, warrior, magician, lover, and your responsibilities there. Make sure that you're leading with masculine communication and always in the lead and taking care of your woman's needs, emotions, desires, and problems. And because, and here's the final point, the final point is this, you know, women are conditioned on what to expect from men, but they are not conditioned on how to treat them. Men are conditioned on how to treat women, but not conditioned on what to expect from them. My work basically solves that problem. And that's why we're working hard to turn the hearts of fathers to their sons, the hearts of sons to their fathers. It's absolutely critical. Without masculinity returning, there will be no, there, the fatherlessness will continue, which is the number one disease that is plaguing this planet. And we will lose society, and then we will eventually lose the earth over it if we don't change now, basically. So uh, a token of love in the form of a warning, good sir. Very so. good, man. Very good. In fact, that's one of my favorite all time here after 160 something episodes, man. Thank you so much. Tell the people where they can find you, man. Website, social media, all that good stuff. Yeah. So YouTube, it's uh, just the CS Joseph channel or the Ego Hackers channel. Uh, you can also get on our Discord from there. If you want to get on Discord, it's discord.gg forward slash Ego Hackers. You can even DM me directly on Discord. I take DMs all the time. And then also, uh, if you want to take a personality test, that is at udja.app or ucha.app, udja.app, and you can take a personality test there. Although I recommend taking it with other people so you can get a more accurate result. Right, right. I want to thank the audience for joining us for another episode of the Hidden Gateway podcast. Remember, check us out at thehiddengateway.com. If you would like to speak with us, send us an email at support at thehiddengateway.com. And as always, thank you for pushing your mindset towards a better reality. 
This will conclude this week's episode. Until next time, stay positive, stay questioning, be love, and be free. The Hidden Gateway, out.